Coming up this week on the Smitty and Mitty Show, Without the Mitty. I'll have a feature interview with Mike Wilner coming up in about 15 minutes time, as well as my old pal Spencer Seymour will join the show. It's the Smitty Show and it starts now. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. (laughs) This is the Smitty Mini Show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show for another week here across the TSMS radio network and on the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast, episode number 96 as we inch closer to 100. I'm your host, Noah Smith. Tyler Milton, Mr. Mitty, is not with me this week, feeling a little bit under the weather, so I will handle the show this week on my own. I'll at least do my best to handle the show this week on my own. Big thank you to our sponsors before we get underway. Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sunlight Financial in King Carden. Life is brighter under the sun. Of course, of course, of course. We also urge you to check out the Jack Drury Memorial Dirt Bowl, which is coming up uh, in, well, it's it's just over a month now. It's the second weekend of August uh, in Port Elgin, so make sure you check it out there. More info on our social media channels. We got a lot to get to on the show this week. Coming up in about uh, 10 to 12 minutes time, Mr. Mike Wilner will join me here. Uh, We're going to talk some baseball, of course, going to talk some Blue Jays um, and just really catch up. And uh, yeah, a lot of baseball coming up in the second segment. In the third segment of the show, I'm going to be joined by Spencer Seymour of stmarysradio.com. We'll talk some junior hockey and everything that's going on in the St. Mary's area. So if you're a listener from there, make sure you stay tuned for the third segment. And other than that, man, just a whole lot of sports to get to. It has been a Big, big, big week in the National Hockey League. The NHL draft took place on Thursday night. And boy, oh boy, do we have some exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, A lot of people, especially here in Canada, Ontario, were expecting Shane Wright from Kingston to go first overall. He did not. He actually slipped down to the number four spot in the NHL draft this year. The Montreal Canadiens, who are hosting the draft at the Bell Centre in Montreal, they had the first overall pick. A lot of questions about who they were going to go with. And, well, I'll, I'll play the clip here of the Canadiens announcing the first overall pick. It was not Shane Wright. Spoil alert. Avec notre premier choix au repêchage with our first pick in the 2022 NHL draft, the Canadiens de Montréal sont fiers de repêcher from the Slovakian national team and TPS Turku, Yuri Slavkovsky. As you hear it there, Yuri Slavkovsky drafted first overall uh, from Slovakia to the Montreal Canadiens. They skip over Shane Wright, who I know a ton of people, a ton of experts, a lot of insiders were expecting the Canadiens to go with Shane Wright. They did not. And then he went to the second pick. 
Still no Shane Wright, the third pick in Arizona. Logan Cooley goes third overall. Still no Shane Wright until finally, with the fourth overall pick, the Seattle Kraken get Shane Wright at number four overall, which I think for them is an absolute steal of a deal. And Seattle, who just entering the league, uh, are already one season in, man, they are going to be good with some young talent, and it's just going to get even better with Shane Wright joining the club. But overall, an exciting draft just before the draft. I know we got some listeners out in the Ottawa region. I'm a huge Ottawa Senators fan. And the Sens making probably one of the bigger trades, if not the biggest trades, uh, of the draft day. They are getting Alex Debrinkit from the Chicago Blackhawks. All they had to trade away was their number seven pick. Uh, just three draft picks, and the Sens get a 24-year-old who put up 78 points last year with Chicago, uh, just adding to this exciting Ottawa Senators team. Man, it is so, so exciting how good this team is going to be. Uh, maybe not this year, uh, but certainly in the years to come. I look forward to seeing them compete anyway i've talked a little bit about hockey here but let's get into our feature interview because joining me on the show this week from the toronto star uh, make sure you check out his podcast deep left field it is mr mike wilner mike thanks for hopping on the show pleasure to talk to you this week yeah anytime happy to be here Obviously, uh, just me in studio this week. Mitty is out, and I know that he's really disappointed because you're one of his favorite guests to have on the show because you tell it how it is, he'll give your opinion, and you won't take his bad opinions and just say they're all right. So that's why he likes having you on. Well, I'm, I'm sorry uh, to miss him, but if, uh, uh, if he needs to be corrected in the future, I guess, I'm happy to come back. I'll just send him to your DMs on Twitter. That's where he can go and he can he can get corrected on all his uh, terrible views on the game of baseball. Don't send anybody to my DMs on Twitter. But on, <laughs> uh, on Twitter, absolutely. Uh, hit me up in the main um, and I'm, I'm happy to deal with baseball questions, but no baseball questions in the DMs, please. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's get into talking a little bit about the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Uh, obviously, as we speak midweek here, the Jays just starting a West Coast road trip. I know that I believe you're heading out there to join the team in Seattle. It was a rough start and the Jays in a little bit of a losing streak right now. Is this something that fans need to start worrying about now that we're at the halfway point of this season? No. And is, is there like, <laughs> I, I think the, the I mean, look, it, it's an important, it's, it's an important thing to, to remember. And, and I, you know, I've been dealing with, with this, with people on social media for the last couple of days, as we speak here, it's an important, it's important to remember that, you know, they may be professional athletes, but they're also human beings. And right now, as we speak, they're on a four game losing streak. And there is no team in, I, I'm, you know, I was going to say Major League Baseball, but I think we could say professional sports that is dealing with what the Blue Jays are dealing with right now. I mean, first of all, and I know people don't want to hear it, but it, it's a thing. You cannot turn the page on a 17-year-old getting killed in 48 hours. You might not be able to turn the page on that, in a week, in a month, in any of that thing. That is an incredibly, unspeakably horrifying thing that has happened to the Toronto Blue Jays family. And as much as sports fans want to say, well, they're professionals, they just put it out of their mind and go do their jobs. 
You try doing that at your job. You have a close friend lose a child and go back to work two days later and be fine. First of all, not a thing. Second of all, look at what else the Blue Jays are dealing with. Because of the fallout of the lockout, they had to compress the season and add six games at various times. And that's why they played a five-game series against Tampa Bay Rays at the Dome over Canada Day weekend. They played five games in the space of 70 hours, which is just, I mean, it's, it's nuts. Well, it's, it's unheard of and in today's then, time. Right. And Tampa Bay had to deal with that too. Absolutely. But then the Blue Jays, who haven't had a day off, they got a day off to go from Chicago to Milwaukee, which is a 90-minute drive. That was their last day off two weeks ago, almost. So they haven't had a day off in almost two weeks. They finish that series with the Rays and immediately get on a plane and fly across the country to Oakland and don't get a day off to open up this West Coast series, uh, this West Coast road trip, and they won't get a day off until after they come back from Seattle at the end of the week. So Tampa Bay had the five games in 70 hours also, but then Tampa Bay did a 70-minute plane ride to Boston, and Tampa Bay got shut out on Monday after doing that. The Blue Jays went to Oakland, and they lost, and they're dealing with the tragedy as well. It is categorically ridiculous that Major League Baseball would make the Blue Jays do what they're doing as far as travel and schedule and to plop this road trip in the midst of a run of 41 games in 41 days. So I know it's not what people want to hear because people want their professional athletes to be able to deal with anything and to be robots and to just go out and perform like trained elephants or whatever. Life doesn't work that way. And right now, the Blue Jays are dealing with the most difficult part of their schedule from a fatigue basis and what we hope is the most difficult part of their lives from a human basis. So um, honestly, I could care less what happened in the second game of that doubleheader on Saturday or in Sunday's game or in Monday's game. Slowly, slowly, they're going to start to get back to where they should be. And from a baseball perspective, up until Sunday, that final game against Tampa Bay Rays, the Blue Jays played the most difficult schedule in the major leagues. From Monday on, they have the 10th easiest schedule in the major leagues the rest of the way. So it feels like, and there'll be reinforcements coming. It feels like the second half is going to be a lot better than the first. And the first wasn't that bad. Well, the first was, is, is holding up to be pretty good. And we knew at the beginning of the season, and we've talked about it through the first weeks and months of the season, that the second half was going to be a bit easier than the first half, uh, at least when you look at it on paper and the Jays right now, still dealing with some injuries, hopefully, going to get a guy like Danny Jansen back in the next week or so. How big is that going to be for the team? I know you wrote an article about it in the star about Danny Jansen and hopefully his return uh, this coming week. That's got to be massive for this team because the guys love Danny Jansen. 
They really do. And that was that was a large part of that column that I wrote in, in uh, Tuesday's Toronto Star, uh, just how much they love him. I mean, talking to these guys, it, it's their eyes light up. Tim Mesa says his day gets better just because he sees Danny Jansen. Uh, John Schneider, the bench coach, and David Phelps both called him the heartbeat of the team. Uh, Ross Stripling on my podcast the other week just raved about how much he cares uh, about his pitchers and, and how he's one of the best in the, in the game. It really is going to be something. And look, if you look at the raw numbers, the Blue Jays are 13-6 and six when Danny Jansen plays, and they're 31-31 and 31 when he doesn't. So, I mean, that's not to cast dispersions on Alejandro Kirk and Gabriel Moreno, who are doing an outstanding job, especially Moreno thrown right into the fire. Um, but there you go. 13 and six when Jansen plays, 31 and 31 when Jansen doesn't play. That's, a, that's not insignificant, it feels like. And a guy like Gabriel Moreno who came up, is he going to be back down in the minors once Jansen is back? They're not going to give him any shot to stick around as a third catcher. Does that seem like something the Blue Jays organization is going to do? Yeah, it, it does. It does. And, you know, again, it's not a reflection on Moreno's performance. He's been wonderful, but he's 22 years old. He is really going to be something. He's got to play. And once Danny Jansen comes back, you assume he's going to catch four times a week. Kirk's going to catch a couple of times a week and DH four times a week. Uh, there's got to, there's not going to be any playing time for Gabriel Moreno, or at least not going to be enough playing time to not hinder his development. So I think he's going to go back down. He'll be back if somebody gets hurt or he'll be back in September or he'll be back if they decide to make Kirk the full-time DH, uh, something along those lines. I don't think that's going to necessarily happen. Uh, but, you know, he's got stuff to learn still about catching, about calling a game, about handling a pitching staff, uh, as one would expect from any 22-year-old who – you know, spent what, three days in spring training with these guys. Um, so yeah, I think that, that the best thing for the team and for Moreno's development is to have him back down in Buffalo catching pretty much every day. This Blue Jays club halfway through the year, uh, dealing with some injury, but injury problems. Uh, as we speak right now, you look at Gosman who took a ball off the ankle on Saturday afternoon's ball game. Uh, starting to throw a little bit looks like he's not going to be out nearly as long as I thought he did when I saw him take that ball off the ankle uh Ryu done for the year the pitching now starts to become at least to me a little bit of a worry is this an area of the Blue Jays game that they need to look at when they're coming towards the trade deadline I think they've been looking at it for weeks yeah absolutely they know they don't have enough swing and miss in the bullpen uh and they they know that uh, you know you see how Tim Meza hasn't really been himself since uh, coming back from the injured list. So they're down uh, one reliable reliever. You have Jordan Romano, you have Adam Simber, hopefully Yimmy Garcia comes back in the next couple of days. Um, and David Phelps has been doing a really good job, but beyond that, there really hasn't been uh, strength in the Jays bullpen. So they do need to address that. And I'm confident that they will every contender fixes its bullpen at the trade deadline. That's just a thing that they do. Uh, as far as the starting rotation is concerned, you know, Gosman's going to miss a start, I would think, maybe two. But, yeah, I'm with you because when he went down, I, you know, I was talking to Ben Nicholson-Smith 
uh, of Sportsnet, and we were just standing there looking at the video and watching Gosman, and you know, remembering similar injuries that we've seen from uh, players over the years. And it was like, I think he'll be back in September. Maybe he'll be back in September. I mean, maybe middle of September. Who knows? Uh, and it really does look like he he's he'll be back by the All Star break at the latest. So that's a huge, huge break for the Blue Jays, and that you know that there was no break. In Gosman's ankle, uh, I'm not worried about the rest of the starting rotation. I think Barrios is going to be fine. Manoa's terrific. Ross Stripling's been very good, um, and we'll see about Yusei Kikuchi. We'll see. Uh, he's got everything that you could possibly want from a starting pitcher, uh, as far as talent, as far as arsenal, as far as uh, the arm. So you know, he had a terrible, terrible June until that last start. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But I don't think starting pitching is a uh, serious, serious need. You could always be better, for sure. You could always be better. But I think adding a, a bit in the bullpen will be will be more important, and I, I have no doubt that they will. From a, from a fan's point of view, I find myself way more often saying, I wish we had a bigger piece in the bullpen, right? Like you said, the starting rotation is going to be okay. Gosman, once he probably misses a start, like you said, maybe two, he'll be back. He'll be fine. I actually like Ross Stripling in that five spot in the rotation. I thought he's done a fantastic job. And if the Blue Jays bat, if the Blue Jays get bats can be like they are, I, I don't think the starting rotation is going to be the issue moving forward. Yeah, I think the Stripling in the five is terrific. The problem is he's the three right now. And so, you know, once... Once Barrios gets back to where he should be, then Stripling becomes the four, and that's fine. He he still needs to, and I love the guy, but he still needs to be able to get, they need to let him get to 95, 100 pitches. Um, but he's, he's, you know, when he runs into trouble, it's just from not finishing innings off, not finishing guys off and letting uh, hitters work his pitch count up a little bit. So, you know, in order to be a really strong piece in that rotation, Stripling's got to give, be able to give him six innings every five days. And so far, he hasn't done that, but it's in there for sure. So the Blue Jays, as we speak right now on Tuesday of this week, 44 and 37 um, right now, the start to the season that I don't think a lot of Blue Jays fans were expecting, but they're happy with. The AL East is kind of going to be out of reach with the Yankees off to the start and, and continuing on the hot that they are. Uh, the Blue Jays right now, how do you feel about their season? Has this been good for the Jays? Are we in a good spot heading into July and August? Or is this a team that isn't hoping and holding up to the expectations that we all had at the beginning of the year? I mean, I, I think we all had some pretty high expectations for them at the beginning of the year. Uh, they're on pace for 88 wins right now, right? 44 wins at the halfway point of the season. So I think that's uh, underachieving because uh, I certainly believe that they were better this year than they were last year. And last year they won 91 games. So they're on a pace to not be as good as they were last year. But the schedule's got something to do with that. In fact, they started the season with the 30 games in 31 days and like 25 of their first 35 were against playoff teams. Um, all, you know, when you look at a, the big picture, you have to take all that stuff into consideration. So they have really, really been through a gauntlet this year and they've come out of it in fine shape. They're a playoff spot. They've been in a playoff spot almost all season. 
they were not in a playoff spot pretty much at all last year until September. Um, so the fact that they are where they are right now, and again, the schedule is opening up for them. Um, they're in, they're in good shape. It's hard to say that they are where we expected them to be. I don't think anybody expected them to be looking at an 88 win season. Um, but they, I, I think they're in very good shape right now, uh, to make the playoffs, to host that first round of the playoffs and the playoffs are an entirely different animal. So, you know, we'll see. I'm really, really looking forward to the Yankees getting bounced in the first round myself. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, as of right now, they have a pretty healthy lead in the AL East. Looks like they'll hold on to that. But as you mentioned, playoff baseball, anything can happen. Uh, the trade deadline this year moved back a couple of days, early August. We're just about a month away from that now. Do the Blue Jays need to make any more moves on offense? I mean, we've talked about a lefty bat throughout the last couple of months. We've talked about, you know, just adding some depth pieces there. Is there any part of the Blue Jays offense or defense for that matter that you think they need to address moving in the next couple of months? I I really don't. I mean, you can always tweak here and there, I guess. But, you know, those lefty bats, look, Rymel Tapia has hit 296 in June. Uh, he's he's really stepped up. Kevin Biggio had the second best OPS on the team in June. It was 944. Kevin Biggio is uh, very, very quietly having in the best run of his career uh, in the major leagues. And so you've got a couple of now reliable left-handed bats to help. You don't need to go find a DH because Kirk is going to fill that spot a lot of the time. Um, the defense is really good with, you know, Matt Chapman and anchor and Vladdy and an anchor on the other side of the infield and Espinal at second base is, is, is great. And it's all helping Bo Bichette. Um, I really don't, I mean, you, you definitely don't need a major piece in the offense, kind of like they did with Corey Dickerson last year. Um, but again, you can always tweak and you can always get better. In certain spots, you can have a better third catcher than Zach Collins, uh, who's not Gabriel Moreno. You can you can be a little bit better on the bench, uh, but but I, I I'm not concerned in the least about the position player group. I think all the um, all the assets should be uh, pooled to improve the pitching staff. Okay, quickly here, another uh, couple of questions before I let you go, Mike. Uh, I want to know, there's been, there's a few names actually that you tossed around there, whether it was Espinal, Kirk, uh, Biggio even. Who has been the biggest, I want to say surprise, because I don't want to act like we were shocked that they could do this, but who has been pleasantly, you've been most impressed with so far this season? Was it a guy like Kirk who's been hitting the cover off the ball? Or Personally, I like Espinal's play on the infield this year. It's, it's been so impressive to me to see how much he's grown this season. Yeah, Espinal is not a surprise to me at all. I mean, I knew he, he played defense. The guy was a shortstop coming up. Uh, there, there's never really been any doubt about his defensive ability. And offensively, he sort of returned to um, what we all what what I thought he was going to be. I know a lot of people had really outsized expectations for him offensively, but he's a, an average to below average bat, and that's what he is, and that's what he's you know. Um, regressed to after uh, a really good start to the season. I, I think he's been fine. 
anybody who told you they thought Alejandro Kirk was going to do this is, is just a, a bold-faced liar. Um, there is no chance. Uh, Alejandro Kirk to be the best offensive catcher in baseball, to be the front runner to start the all-star game behind the plate, to be doing the things he's doing defensively as a catcher. I mean, this is the story of, of the year and maybe, uh, you know, of the century for the Blue Jays. I don't know that anyone has ever exceeded expectations to this level uh, as, as Alejandro Kirk is doing. And it's just been so much fun. And the guy's only 23 years old. It's, it's, it's amazing. And they're being careful with him and they're giving him his breaks and they're giving him his rest, even though they'd really like to lean on him because catchers do tend to turn into pumpkins in August and September, and they really don't want that to happen to him. So it will be really, really interesting to see if he can sustain this through the dog days and late in the season. But so far, man, I mean, yeah, it's, it's uh, the first five answers to that question are Alejandro Kirk. Well, it's funny because exactly what you said. I saw someone online the other day say, oh, I knew Alejandro Kirk was going to have a year like this. No, you didn't. No, no, I you did. didn't. No one did. Right. Right. No it's, one did. <laughs> no one did. And no one. See, and the thing is, no one even thought Alejandro Kirk was going to have a year like this. Never mind knew. Right. Well, no one knew that he could do this. He is having a fantastic year. Uh, he's transitioned himself into a fan favorite ball player. And you know what? He's going to be an all-star this year. And I think that's fantastic for the Blue Jays. And like you said, 23 years old, right? There is such a large, I think, still large window for this Blue Jays club. People talk about how the window might be closing, right? And sure, it might be every now and again, but Young players coming up. Moreno is showing the flashes already. I think the Blue Jays are set really going forward here. They have a good base, right? They have some good players. And the next couple of years, even if this year doesn't go the way that they are expecting to, next couple of years are going to be exciting for this Blue Jays club. Yeah, the window's not closing. Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio are free agents after the 2025 season. And that's the first of the young kids who are graduating. And that's not to say that the Blue Jays can't sign anybody they want to sign to an extension. Uh, Alec Manoa isn't going to be a free agent until after the 2027 season. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, the same, I believe. So nobody's going anywhere for a while. This is going to be a lot of fun for a lot of years. Well, uh, that does it for uh, the time we have, Mike. Once again, thank you for hopping on and joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you again. And uh, I know Mitty is going to want to have you back on again soon because I know he's going to miss having this conversation. So thank you for joining us again. Uh, always a pleasure. My pleasure. Any Anytime. Happy to talk to you. Curling features all the best of what people look for in a new pastime. Great sportsmanship, strategy, athleticism, and community. With nearly a 1,000 curling centers in Canada, there's probably one near you. If you're interested in trying curling, you can find all the information and equipment you need at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Listen, we all know someone affected by mental health, and that's why we at the Smitty Mitty Show have joined forces with the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl, happening at 9 a.m. Saturday, August 13th at Pearson Soccer Fields in Port Elgin, Ontario, 
A day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far, this year looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook. You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here across the TSMS Radio Network. Still no Mitty here on the show, but I am joined by the voice of the St. Mary's Lincolns as well as a board of directors member, and he is the program director at St. Mary's Radio on our network, Mr. Spencer Seymour. Spencer, thanks for hopping on and uh, helping me fill some time here in the back half of the show. Uh, we were just talking before we came back, and it's tough without Mitty here to talk and fill time. So I need other, I need help, and you're here to help. Yeah, well, we discussed this, you know, off off camera, and we determined that I'm really kind of the uh, no name compliments brand, Mitty. Um, so I, I I don't know if I should be insulted or complimented by that, but I guess if I'm a compliments brand, I should be complimented. I'll take it because Mitty is uh, he'll be the first to to say, you know what, Spencer, you do a great job, but he is his own person, he is his own thing, and you can't replicate it. I've tried. Exactly. I've tried to bring on friends. You can't replicate the MIDI. It's impossible. Well, I mean, I could I could start yelling very opinionated thoughts at you right now, but I I, I get the feeling that I wouldn't do it as well as MIDI does it. No, no one and no one does. So uh, anyway, Spencer, how you been? I know it's been a while. We're here in the hockey offseason. We usually see each other about six times a year during the winter. But now in the summer, this is when we get to take a break from each other. And I decided to bring you back because you just can't get enough of me, can you? I, I can't get enough of you. You you usually get enough of me, though, about the second period of the first time we see <laughs> each other during the hockey season. But you're but you're always busy. Like in the summer, I, I get to kind of relax and just watch the watch the sports circus unfold around me but you actually have to be embroiled in it year round yeah i know don't tell my girlfriend because she just thinks i'm far too busy um i, I tell her that i get an off season it's about two or three weeks between baseball and hockey season and then when hockey season ends if my team is poor like they were this year then i get about four to five weeks before baseball season begins so i mean if you add those up that's a good what one fifth of the year that i'm off right you just got to do the math in your head for it all to make sense exactly anyways we are uh getting closer to hockey and, and, I, and I don't do math so i can't help you on that <laughs> uh, neither do i i do not math very well um, but I do know that we are getting ever closer to hockey season. And of course, with the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League uh, back here for another year, the showcase is coming back. And we've just talked about it. I know we got into some Twitter conversations. Uh, it's good to have the showcase back. And we're actually going to be there when the puck drops in September. Yeah, it's great to have this tournament back. I attended the showcase in 2019. That was the first year I was calling games. And it, it's it, it's a great setup. It's a great tournament. It, it's a great way for all the players in our league or so many of the players in our league at the beginning of the year to all come together and and demonstrate their abilities. And every team gets a feel for each other and we get matchups that we won't get the rest of the year. We're we're taking on the Lincolns are taking on Stratford, which is always a big matchup. Uh, for both communities, given our geographical proximity does and the fact that we aren't in the same conference. So it's, it's kind of a, it's, 
it's a really exciting thing when we get to play Stratford and obviously Welland is such a historic team in the league as well. So it'll be, it'll be fun to play them and it'll be really fun for people listening to the games on St. Mary's radio, as we are planning to attend, I am planning to attend the showcase. It's going to be really fun for them not to have to listen to me at 8 a.m. like they did in 2019 when the Lincolns had an 8 a.m. game. And if anyone watching or listening has ever heard me call a game, uh, it's not it's not the way you'd want to wake up in the morning. It, it might be a little too much at 8 a.m., Spencer Seymour, 8 p.m. He's enough, but at 8 a.m. It's just a wake up. If you weren't awake, you're going to be awake. Now uh, you guys are a little bit later this year. You guys have, I believe an afternoon game and then an evening game. Is that correct? Yeah, we're taking on Stratford at 1 30 on the 23rd. And we've got Welland at, I believe 10 30 on the 24th. Gotcha. I know we get to see uh, myself and Strathroy. We also get to see that same Stratford club. So our good friend Casey Kenny in Stratford, uh, not only does he get to see us both this year, he gets to see us both on the same weekend. So he's got to be jumping for joy, I imagine, at his home. I, I would be. If I got to see me, if I got to go to Pelham and see Spencer Seymour, I would be very excited. And not nothing for Noah Smith, though, right? That's not nearly as exciting. Well, I mean, him too, but, you know. <laughs> Spencer Seymour is going to be in Pelham. That's, you know, Noah Smith is the garnish on top, but I'll, I'll take that any day. Of the, week. the garnish on top actually sounds a little bit better than the Spencer Seymour below. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, you know, All right. that that's starting to sound like a conversation we can't have on the air garnish <laughs> on top versus on the bottom. I, I don't know where you're trying to take this. I'm but not it's starting to scare. Yeah, me. we will uh, switch it off of the garnishing on top. Uh, let's talk a little bit about those St. Mary's Lincolns for all of our listeners in the St. Mary's region. Some signings already coming through this offseason. What's the club going to look like? Do we have a lot of guys coming back from the 2019, uh, t- pardon me, the 2020, 2021 season? Or do we got uh, a little bit of turnover uh, before these new guys make their way in? Well, in junior hockey, you always have turnover, as you well know, but Right now, it's it's looking like we're going to have a fair number of guys back, especially up front. Uh, from my understanding of how the of how the team is shaping up, uh, offense and our forward group will not be the problem. There's going to there's a ton of talent up front. Um, you know, one of the big acquisitions of the summer so far, arguably the biggest you could say, would be the deal we made with the Strathroy Rockets, Michael Elliston coming in and you know probably better than anyone the the type of impact that he is capable of making and he is likely going to be a very important cog in in our in our lineup next year ethan lamaru who i would i would imagine you know we can we can hopefully look forward to seeing back in a lincoln's uniform he's going to be another key part if he indeed is back with the lincoln's next year he had an unbelievable year last year and i would imagine he's going to get even better in, in the coming season. And there's a bunch of other players who could take a next step guys like Austin Kelleher. If he were to be back, Eric Smith, if he were to be back, Kevin Parrott, if he were to be back, all three of those guys bring an interesting mix of physicality and offense that I'm really intrigued to see how it, how they develop and how they grow after a year, their first year in the league. Kelleher especially is one to me. He just seems like the kind of guy who could be poised for a really big breakout 
Now, you mentioned how the offense and the defense weren't anything that you were going to be worried about. I noticed you didn't touch on the goaltending. Uh, obviously, you guys had a fantastic goaltending uh, a duo last year. Bryce Walker is leading the way for you guys. What's it looking like coming into this 2022 preseason uh, for the goaltending for the Lincolns? Well, certainly nothing is confirmed yet, as as we know. We haven't seen the official re-signing yet, but if we were to get Bryce Walkarius back, he would be joined by another uh, another former Strathroy Rocket who was acquired alongside Michael Elston, uh, goaltender Tyler Buck. And if I had to look at it, Bryce Walkarius and Tyler Buck, that sounds like a really good goaltending tandem. Buck had his first year in the league last year. He's drafted in the OHL. And by the end of the year, as you know, he, he was the goaltender in the playoffs for the Rockets. So I, I really think if, if Walkarius is back, he's going to be an overager. He's going to be a 20-year-old. He's got experience. He had, a, he had a fabulous year last year for us. And with him and Buck, I, I really think that if, if Walkarius is back, we've, we've got a really good tandem shaping up here in St. Mary's. Sounds like everything going as planned over in Lincoln land coming into the preseason. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you since the 2022 playoffs came to an end and uh, a little bit surprised, at least on my end, I shouldn't say surprised, happy to see the Chatham rooms go as far as they did because they were a team that I thought all year long, Spencer, were a little bit of a dark horse. That is a strong hockey club who, when you put them in their own barn are almost next to impossible to beat. Uh, so congrats to them for moving on. What was your first thoughts when you saw them, first of all, win the West and then move on to, to get within a couple games of winning the Sutherland Cup? Well, I can't, I can't say. Some people might have been surprised by it, and I can't say that it was too surprising for me because of my, you know, of what I saw of Chatham in the, in the regular season. Chatham was a team, probably the team more so out of the any Western Conference team that really had – really had the Lincoln's number for, for most of the season. They got some big wins over, over us. And we were obviously a really good team as well. And Chatham had a really, a really diverse group of players in terms of their playing style. Their bottom six had a lot of energy, had a lot of, you know, versatility. There, there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of energy. Like I said, in that bottom six, when you look at guys like Nolan Miller and Matthew Cunningham and, Owen Sculthorpe and guys like that who were good defensively and who brought energy up front. And they had some big players as well. Cameron Welch comes to mind. And then they had two, they had some, they had a few really good offensive players, but you look at Lucas Fancy and Cameron Simons and they had two nuclear offensive weapons up front and several other players like Dylan Glinsky and David Brown and Connor Paranuzzi, who also brought really good offensive ability. So, and of course in net, especially after they added, uh, after they added Nolan Deconing at, at the trade deadline, two really good goaltenders for Chatham. So I can't really say that it was a big surprise looking at how, you know, all how well-rounded that team was. And I think well-rounded is the perfect way to put it. I look back at um, Western Conference and Sutherland Cup winning teams of the past few years, and there has been a lot of star power on these teams. I don't think, and I don't want to take anything away from the Chatham Maroons, they weren't a team that was just lined with stars, right? They were well-rounded, and from the first line down to the fourth line, from the first D pairing down to the third D pairing, there wasn't really any breaks in the Chatham Maroons lineup this year. And I think that can really attribute 
to how far they got and how much success that they had this year. Yeah, coming into this year, like you said, there weren't a ton of names that you went, well, that that's gonna that's a that's a top three player in the conference. That's a guy who can just destroy any team every time he's on the ice. But you saw that every player had a role and every player knew their role and every player played their role really well. And I mean, I talked about the forwards and the goaltending and I left out the defense. Chatham had an underrated blue line. Craig Spence was a really good player for them and also had a pretty good last name. If, if I can give an editorial <laughs> note. Um, I said the same thing about Spencer Hazel for us. Anybody and, with an, anybody with any Spencer kind of name is just automatically a star to you. Well, I, I think it's a beautiful name and I think it makes <laughs> people a better player when they have that kind of majestic sounding name. Yeah. You can't argue with that logic. <laughs> I you can't argue with any of my logic. I think. Well, you can make the argument that you could argue with your logic. I and I do. I will frequently argue with it more times. You do now. Now I wanna I'm gonna flip the script here and I wanna ask you about something. Okay. Now it isn't it isn't GOJHL related, so I do apologize. But Noah Smith, you are an Ottawa Senators fan. I am. Yes. And we are recording this just minutes. After the bombshell from the Ottawa Senators. That's a big trade. Has your Alex DeBrinket jersey been ordered yet? <laughs> and how excited are you for uh, one Alex DeBrinket to wear the Senators logo next year? I'm excited. I think it's a very good move for the team. Um I am of the mindset, whether it's baseball, hockey, whatever sport it is, that draft picks are good, but unless you're getting like a one or two pick or a top three pick where you know you're getting a star, right? Like a seven pick could go either way. You could get someone great. It could flop. And that's the same with any draft pick. But I'm of the mindset where if you can get a guy like Alice Brinkat, who, by the way, is just 24 years old and put up 78 points last year in the NHL. That's a win-win-win trade for the Senators, in my opinion. I'm excited to get it. No, I don't have a Drinkat jersey on order yet. I just ordered a Brady Kachuk jersey last year, and I need to like hold off on jersey ordering because I typically never have any luck with them. So I need to make sure that Kachuk's not going anywhere before I get another named jersey. I just don't have the luck. Well, wait, wait for uh, GM Dorian to re-sign him. Yeah, I and can then, do that. And then you, and then you'll <laughs> order it you know, right off, right as soon as that contract is announced. Okay, we are right up against the wall in terms of time. I did have one more question I wanted to ask you. St. Mary's getting a water park down at the quarry this year. Will you be going? I certainly plan to. I plan to. It'll, uh, it might look like a walrus trying to run across that water park, but I, I certainly plan to. And I'll tell you a funny story about that water park. Uh, one of our counselors, when it was approved by St. Mary's Town Council, uh, they were they were discussing it and they were discussing it with the with the company who was going to install it, and talking with the people running the quarry there. And one of our counselors, you know, chimed in and had two questions, and one of them was very intricate, a detail about you know the day, the installation day, and then the other one, he looked at the camera and he said, "Can I go first? Was it you? No, no, it was. Uh, one <laughs> it was of you our, disguised as a counselor. Counselors. It was you disguised I, well, as a counselor. That wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But 
anyways i will uh i'll grab my tickets i'll meet you down at the quarry and we can go jump across those uh all those obstacles together anyways once again spencer seymour joining us here on the smitty and midi show on the third segment to fill some time as i'm without midi this week spencer thank you for hopping on we're gonna go take a break wrap things up on the other side here on the smitty and midi show across the tsms radio network I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Listen, we all know someone affected by mental health, and that's why we at the Smitty Mitty Show have joined forces with the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl, happening at 9 a.m. Saturday, August 13th at Pearson Soccer Fields in Port Elgin, Ontario, A day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far this year, looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook. Curling features all the best of what people look for in a new pastime. Great sportsmanship, strategy, athleticism, and community. With nearly a thousand curling centers in Canada, there's probably one near you. If you're interested in trying curling, you can find all the information and equipment you need at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. All right, the Smitty and Mitty Show minus the Mitty is back here to finish things off. One final quick segment to say goodbye and thank our guests on this week's show. But first of all, we'd like to thank you for tuning in for yet another week here across the TSMS radio network and on the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast coming out every Saturday wherever you get your podcasts. It has been another fantastic week. A couple of guests joining me this week, unfortunately, as you have heard throughout the course of the last hour, Mitty unable to be with me on the show this week. He's feeling a little bit better, though. That is the good news, and uh, hopefully we're going to have him back in time for next week's interview. That does it for our show. Big thank you to Mike Wilner from the Toronto Star, columnist, podcaster. Make sure you check out his podcast, Deep Left Field. It's a Toronto Star podcast, talks about the Blue Jays, lots of Blue Jays guests, You don't want to miss it when it comes out. Also, a big thank you goes out to Spencer Seymour, the voice of the St. Mary's Lincolns, as well as program director at stmarysradio.com, one of our network stations, for hopping on, killing some time with me in the back half of the show and talking about some junior hockey and a little bit about what is going on uh, (coughs) around St. Mary's as well. So thank you to Spencer for joining me. Thank you to Mike as well for hopping on. It has been a blast for yet another week here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. But that is all the time we got. Thank you to our sponsors, Goldline Curling, the Choice of Champions, Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial in Keene Carden. Life is brighter under the sun. And, of course, check out the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl coming up the second week of August. You don't want to miss it. Still, uh, I think, a week left to get teams in if you're interested. So make sure you check that out. Their social medias, uh, of course, you can find them on our social media channels at Smitty Mitty Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. From Noah Smith here on the Smitty and Mitty Show, we say thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again same place, same time next week.